accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're going to be discussing Storyteller, which is the 14th episode of the first season of Deep Space Nine. This episode was directed by David Livingston. Story credit goes to Kurt Michael Bensmiller. Teleplay goes to Kurt Michael Bensmiller and Iris Stephen Bayer. It aired back on May 2nd, 1993. In this episode, Chief O'Brien is appointed spiritual leader of a Bajoran village. Meanwhile, Nog and Jake try to help their new friend settle a struggle between two Bajoran villages. That's it. It's just going to be me talking about this one, trying to catch up on the Deep Space Nine podcast. And people don't seem to really care about the first season, so I'm just going to do this one alone. As they say, I'm going to go alone as if we were playing Euchre or something like that. Um, let's see. So we'll get into the storyteller right after this audio clip, and then uh, we're going to break it down. See you in a second. Chief, may I ask you a question? Of course. And I'd like an honest answer. You'll get one. Do I? Annoy you. Annoy me? What sort of a question is that? Well, the thing is, we've just spent the last two hours alone together in this runabout, and you've hardly said a word to me the whole time. Really? I hadn't noticed. Oh, I see. I suppose it's because I was too busy thinking. Thinking? That's right. About what? What? What were you thinking about? I'm just curious. Well, let's see, um... Well, I was thinking that when we get back to the station, I'll have to run a level one diagnostic on the phase coil generators. Satisfied? I suppose so. Glad to hear it. All right, so the wonder that is season one of Deep Space Nine is continuing here at this point. Um, What do we think of the storyteller? Well, I don't think I'd ever seen this episode before, so that's interesting. It's um, it's probably most notable for being the first, uh, not Bajoran, but the first uh, Bashir and O'Brien episode where they sort of pair up with each other that's obviously going to go on to be a big thing going forward they they do really well here it's interesting you know we're, we're sort of up in the middle of discovery at this point and if you're just listening to the deep space nine uh, podcast without listening to or watching discovery i guess this might not make as much sense but you know we've been critical of discovery recently and it, it's funny how even a bad episode of the storyteller kind of shows the difference between the old 90s Trek series and the modern uh, Discovery series, where, you know, th- this episode is really built around these scenes of getting to know the characters. It's not really, the episode itself is not really any great shakes. The plot is very generic. It's actually a script from TNG season one that Michael Piller had been holding on to for seven years. So it's, you know, it's not. It's not a very amazing story. There's a reason they didn't want to make it for, you know, the six years or whatever TNG and that they came to make it in Deep Space Nine after, you know, they were just running out of story ideas and needed to produce some episodes. So he, you know, went into his desk, pulled out the script that's been sitting there forever and they rewrote it with all the characters in it. It feels very much like an early TNG kind of episode. It feels very much TOS-y in a lot of ways where... You know, you run into a religious leader who may or may not be truly religious. They don't really expose what's going on at the end of this. There's no modern Trek kind of resolution to the sci-fi story. And, you know, there's a sort of somewhat silly uh, plot line about the teenage leader of one of these um, warring factions coming aboard the station dealing with Nog and Jake, which 
you know, it feels very much like a Deep Space Nine thing, except it's not particularly, it's not a particularly interesting storyline, in my opinion, unfortunately. Um, it's probably the worst Jake storyline that we've seen so far. I don't know if we've seen too many, but I guess I should pull it back a little bit and focus here. Um, I thought that this one is, it's a fairly fine episode. It's not particularly exciting or anything like that, but it does show you the character interactions and stuff that we're missing from discovery, at least in my opinion, um, is the great scene of Bashir and O'Brien on the shuttlecraft at the start, which is really great. Um, you know, the, the tension between these two characters, O'Brien is the character who's most obviously disenchanted uh, with uh, Bashir, which is a nice way to go. It's a good pairing. That makes a lot of sense. The sort of heady idealism of Bashir with the grounded everyman qualities of, um, O'Brien and you can see why it would work. You can see why the think would be a good idea to pair up those two characters. They're kind of stuck in a story that's a little bit ridiculous on fronts. And it feels very, it feels like early Trek in that they're interfering with a culture, you would think, more than the Prime Directive would allow, although they're Bajoran. So it's not really like a first contact type situation. But they're... They they play a, a fairly big role in the uh, like religious interpretation of this group of people when Bashir takes the place of what's basically the Pope of the village who is responsible for saving them from the Balrock, or I think it was called the Balrock or the Dalrock or something, um, which is a monster that comes every once in a while. And this storyteller character, the uh, leader of the religious group of this village, has to sort of chant it away and he summons the the collective will of the village and they scare away the monster and that's his role. And O'Brien takes his place for no particular reason. It's arbitrary. The guy just says that the prophets said that this would be the case. He takes the place and he's not up to the task. And then the apprentice of the original guy gets very jealous, tries to kill O'Brien. And then they all explain what's going on and the guy gets, a, the apprentice gets his chance at redemption. And O'Brien fails to live up to the job. He gives it to the apprentice and all is saved and everything's good. It's um, it's a very small, not a lot happens on the planet that had to do with the Bashir and O'Brien conflict going into it. So that really feels kind of tacked on in a sense. It's not, it's a, it's an episode that develops their relationship more just by the fact that they're together for a very long time during this storyline. Um, it's not that they particularly need to learn or rely on each other. It's independent of that. It's really just them spending a lot of time with each other and coming to this resolution for the religious plot, which, I don't know, it, it felt a little bit silly. I, Cole Meany does his best to sell some pretty ridiculous lines. One thing that made me laugh is at the very end when he's just like, come on, people, focus, as uh, he's trying to get this demon back up into the sky. The monster doesn't look great. It's never really revealed what it is, which is kind of odd in a Star Trek series. Um, the, you know, the... I guess the positives of what it does is that it, it's kind of exposing Bajor to be a more fractal planet than we've seen so far. There's like different um, little cultures sort of sprinkled around because this doesn't seem to be a part of the main Bajoran religion. Um, these people seem like they're out on their own sort of little island. It's not really an island, but they're out on like an isolated stretch where no one else seems to interact with them because we've never heard of this monster before. So it's it's a little bit... You know, it's interesting that they're sort of setting it up that way and that they're making a, you know, distinctions between the multiple cultures that will live on Bajor. It's kind of giving Bajor a little bit more of a mysterious religious aspect to it. Um, and that's all fine. It's it's just it's it's a storyline that kind of really strongly depends on the interaction between O'Brien and Bashir. And I think that they do a good job here. The plot itself is no great shakes. 
it's a it's a solid entry i think i preferred it more than the other storyline which is the jake and nog storyline but it doesn't really you know maybe you could say something about the fact that it's is um, a critique on you know you get the implication that this religion is not really on the up and up that they're not being honest with the people about what's going on and it, that feels a little bit dark when bashir and o'brien leave at the end and the you know the the villages are all on their knees sort of praising this new um speaker storyteller character who stepped in to save them and you get the impression that the you know the the way that they stop this monster is very profit based so it's it's clearly like alien technology and it's not it's not a true in the sense of like what religion would be to most people it's not a true mysticism or anything like that so it's it feels a little bit odd they don't really get into it as far as i remember of why this is so secretive and why passing down the story is so clouded in um, the dark, like that no one is allowed to know why they're able to keep the monster away. It seems a little bit exploitative, I guess, at that point. But the, the episode isn't really about that. So I don't know if it's intentional or it's just the fact that it's a a script that had its origins in season one of TNG and it didn't bother coming up with an idea. I mean, it was rewritten by the modern writers of Deep Space Nine, but it doesn't really come across is particularly interested in any of that. It feels very much like it's a TNG story where it's just you're encountering this situation. You don't have a lot of interaction with it. You just kind of observe it from the outside. The characters are just there to watch what's going on. They get slightly involved, but it's not interesting or their actions aren't driving anything. Their characterization isn't there. They they don't really have a conflict. They could just leave or go back to the station and have an analysis run on what this monster is, which they don't really do, which is kind of odd. Um they're totally isolated and it just, you know, it feels like a pretty stock religion-y aspect-y Star Trek plot line, which is not particularly great, not particularly terrible. It's just kind of there. The other storyline is the Jake Nog and um, the leader of this delegation, which is her, her name is Tetrarch Varasul, I think. She's a 15-year-old girl who shows, shows up on the station. Um She's ostensibly there to negotiate a treaty with this other warring faction. They Apparently the Cardassians moved a river when they were on Bajor and the ancient treaty between them to use the river as a boundary. So now one side saying, hey, because the river moved, we get all that new territory. The other side says that's not fair. Um, I kind of agree with the side that thinks it's that not that's it's not really fair. That doesn't that doesn't seem that's a very uh, anal retentive reading of the ancient scriptures, I think, to um to think that the sort of artificial moving of the river would amount to anything. If that's the case, they should have done it themselves. They shouldn't have waited for the Kling or the Cardassians to do it. But anyway, they um, the actual negotiations between the two groups is not really important, which is kind of interesting. The guy just drops off to the side. It's really about this girl learning, you know, hanging out with Jake and Nog and learning how to become a better leader. It's very cliche. It doesn't really amount to anything. It feels very hodgepodge where the girl is saying that she hung out with Jake and Nog because she wanted to learn about Cisco and learn how to be a better leader. It all feels very like cliche and pointless and it doesn't feel like it's anything exciting at all. It feels very much um, like a generic kid adventure story stuck in space. Like if, if you were writing a Star Trek episode with these generic child characters, this feels like the kind of story that would come out of it. And to this point, they've kind of avoided that with the Jake stuff. Um, He's been more in the background, and this is probably the most present he's ever been in a story. 
but it's also it's more really a Nog story than anything because Nog has a crush on the girl you think it would be Jake and they'd have a sort of that Wesley Crusher when he meets the uh, the shapeshifter in that TNG episode type story. You don't get that. It's much more it's much more bland, much more pointless. Uh, it doesn't really ever build to anything. You don't learn anything about Jake and Nog. You don't learn anything really about the girl or Cisco. Everyone just kind of slowly plows through this storyline. And, you know, it has a terrible, goofy, very Iris Stephen Bear uh, goofy scene about where they go in to try to steal Odo's buckets and Nog pretends that it's full of oatmeal and he throws it on Jake. It's, you know, it's like awkward laughter. It's something that's not really all that funny. Um, they get into trouble. It's got some good Odo scenes where Odo um, is a, clearly a, a person who likes to push around his authority. And he smiles when uh, people start to adjust to his running the station when he tells the kids to get off the promenade and stop hanging their legs over the edge. Outside of that, though, it's um, it's definitely Iris Stephen Bear is funny at this point, right? Because you can kind of see where his sensibilities lie at this point in the series, where. He'd written things like Captain's Holiday and TNG for TNG and things like that. It's he has a much more lighthearted, almost campy approach to episodes. He, he's not one to really embrace the harder, not even hard sci-fi, but the more sci-fi sort of straight-ahead aspects of what you think a TNG or Deep Space Nine or Star Trek series would be. He likes to move things in kind of a goofy sort of like 90s family drama way that I think is really unique. And you can tell it's when his script like that, like the, the laughing scene in Odo's room feels like an Iris Stephen Bear scene to me. Uh, I'd be surprised if that, like obviously he had to write that because it wouldn't make sense with the Odo character being in a very early version of this script. But that's how um, Iris Stephen Bear seems at this point. I don't know if, you know, eventually he takes show running duties away from, Michael Pillar at this point. He becomes the showrunner of Deep Space Nine. Um, I think that maybe something will change when he gets that added responsibility, but like all of his scripts at this point seem that he doesn't really take the he doesn't really take it too seriously. So I don't know if that's him just sort of writing for a page. Like I don't want to draw any sort of negative conclusions about it, but his tone is not is not as focused as uh, the way that the other shows are in the series, the ones that he doesn't write. So it's interesting that he does that, and it's interesting that they chose him to be the showrunner. He's obviously very good behind the scenes and everything, um, and he took on rewriting this script. So I think that's pretty much it. Um, you know, it's a fine, it's an okay episode, it's whatever. It's it's not really all that great. I really, th- the thing that's funny about even these bad episodes is I watch them now because we're watching Discovery and I just kind of smile at stupid scenes and it's like, oh, it's cheesy. Like this episode isn't really holding my attention, but the Bashir and O'Brien scene at the very start is probably the best part of the episode when the shuttlecraft, when they're talking to each other about why O'Brien doesn't like uh, Bashir. Or not really talking about that, but O'Brien's trying to disguise the fact that he doesn't really care for Bashir. It's got nice sort of, sort of, you know, dated in the best way possible, dated kind of television like that, where these characters are really playing off of each other. You're getting to know them. They're having time to build a relationship. Like you have a scene of dialogue that allows you to explore what these characters feel about each other, which is something that's missing in the modern show. Um but yeah, I don't want to talk too much about Discovery. We'll try to keep this on Deep Space Nine. And that's about it. The Doll Rock, that is what it was called. Um, yeah, not much else. I'll play an audio clip. We'll come back and we'll give our final thoughts and ratings for this one. 
I want you to know, Commander, that I take complete responsibility for what happened in the security office. I think that there's more than enough blame to spread around. Jake should have known better. I'm afraid he and Nog were just trying to impress me. That's not much of an excuse. Didn't you ever do anything foolish to impress a girl? I may have. Jake's a nice boy. So's Nog. In his own way. I enjoy their company. I suppose you don't get much of a chance to be with people your age. True. But... That's not why I wanted to be with them. I wanted to learn about you. Alright, so we're back. We're going to break down the final thoughts and ratings about this one. We'll read some patron thoughts, as always, if you support the show on Patreon.com. You can leave some thoughts about upcoming episodes, and you get them read on the podcast. So we've got Holly McLaughlin writes first uh, the storyteller i like nog in this one his arc over the show is one of the best he has a, he has kind of a weird arc here like i you, it's interesting the stuff about like they sort of have him doubt his relationship with his father which is a callback to previous stuff that went on um when he has the scene where he's on the promenade talking about uh his father and jake's father and everything like that otherwise you know, that that's sort of the seeds of where he goes, but it, it ties into the uselessness of his plot, I guess, in the first uh, place. And I, I just don't feel like it, it was really very enjoyable of a plot line between those two. Uh, Joint Mango says, Storyteller is good for setting up Bashir and O'Brien as an item, but holy crap, O'Brien preaching is boring as all hell. <laughs> O'Brien preaching. I wonder if that was intentional. If he was, if it's intentional that O'Brien is doing a terrible job preaching, um, he did a really great job. It it seems that way, but it's also in this kind of weird actory way where um, you know they're they're clearly trying to talk loud even though there's no noise in the background they're adding all the like the background storminess in post so he's it has that sort of faked forced way of talking loudly that you can always tell is uh fake when they do it and i, I don't know if he, that doesn't seem very good but when he's preaching is very very funny just him begging for um people to just like focus and pay attention as the monster is closing in on him is a pretty good um pretty good comedy but uh, the episode where the two of them have their deaths faked when they disable those bioweapons is way better. I'd agree with that. I forget the title of that one. Even the good luck, bad luck squash game episode beats this. Horrible use of an opportunity to develop the Bajoran religion. Well, I guess Joey Mango didn't really like it. Um, although I wouldn't say this is a very this is a good episode by any stretch of the imagination. I just uh, I don't think it's that. They do kind of. I guess you could have used it as a Bajoran religion expansion. Um, they don't really do that. This feels like a weird offshoot of the Bajoran religion. They just happen to be Bajoran for no good reason, uh, just because it's a DS9 episode, I suppose. Let's see, what else do we have here? Just scrolling through. Sorry, I didn't have a lot of time to sort of pick this uh, these things out as I normally do. Passenger, passenger, we talked about that. Do, do, do. Storyteller, Kyle Barrett writes... The one thing this episode is going forward is that Bashir and O'Brien's relationship and back and forth is great. It's done much better in later episodes, such as Armageddon Game, but it's still the best thing in this episode. I think the writers should have tied the two plots together by having the land dispute involve the village being attacked and the two parties have to come to an agreement so they can defeat the monster with all their positive thoughts. Well, that's a, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a very good take on it. This would have allowed Cisco to be both Starfleet mediator and the storyteller, Sarah, which would tie into and explore his role as the emissary of the prophets. Well, Kyle, uh, you actually, th- yeah, you've, you've thought this one out. I, I mean, I guess that's, 
that's a very that's very true and they probably should have tied it into the overall story it's really i really get the sense that this was a script that they just scrambled to write and it came from a pile of scripts that had been sitting around and they didn't really have a lot of time or thought to put into it they just had to produce something but you're absolutely right that if cisco was somehow the mediator there and the storyteller role somehow tied into it where the prophets had sent him would make much more sense with everything that we've learned so far from the pilot of uh, emissary so um but i agree with you that bashir and o'brien's relationship and back and forth is very good they, they are excellent at this point um bashir is still played a little bit too hammy but o'brien is perfect by colmini at this point um i think that's it for the comments i'm going to give this one a two out of five it's it's kind of like a middling two out of five, really. Um, I thought that it's it's fine. It's, there's nothing really offensive or upsetting about it. I didn't really hold my attention. Uh, it was not an episode that I really focused on and felt like, oh, wow, this is really saying something. It's most notable, as people have said, for the O'Brien-Bashir uh, thing. And, you know, outside of that, it's kind of a generic story that doesn't really as Kyle says doesn't really explore the Bajoran religion doesn't do anything with the Cisco emissary role it's just it is what it is we're almost done with season one though we're getting close to the end and I'll be happy about that because um yeah season one of Deep Space Nine has not been particularly interesting but anyway guys thank you very much for listening sorry for just being me hopefully this podcast is okay I, I managed to get 20 minutes out of this somehow but we'll be back with other people just been a busy time and uh, I need to sort of settle down and get a calendar going so I can get some people back on the show and schedule things and record and have a backlog, which is always healthy to have. But thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll go to all the social media, which is in the links below in the podcast uh, description and in the video description. If you go to the social media, all those sites, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. Only one I'd really recommend uh, or to say that you should check out if you're enjoying the show is patreon.com slash the Penske file, a couple dollars a month. Get you extra content, you get extra podcasts and stuff like that, and you also help support the show. Um, and as always, the highest tier of supporters on Patreon who are truly appreciated, guys, is really great. Hopefully, you're enjoying the Halloween uh, themed podcast that we're putting out. Halloween will actually be out on Halloween, uh, October 31st. So that hasn't come out yet, but we had It Follows this month. People seem to think that was okay. We had a good discussion, me and Clay, about Halloween. So that'll be out on uh, the actual holiday of Halloween. So hopefully, you enjoy that. And that, again, is at patreon.com slash the Penske file. And the supporters of the show are the highest tier. Stephen Cobb, Mike Burnett, Matthew and Ross, Ben Douglas, Tax Bear, Kyle Bear, Joint Mango, Vincent Adolman, and Tark Latif. Guys, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. It's well, uh, well appreciated all your support that you give the show. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to sort of get things back on track because I feel like we're sort of hanging by the skin of our teeth here. I blame Discovery, really. The... Uh, Discovery coming up in the middle of this really kind of threw everything off in some kind of sense. I feel like I feel like it's distracted me from Deep Space Nine a little bit, and now I'm just kind of in the Discovery mode just because it's the ones that we're watching late at night and people are talking about it all the time. But I do want to get back into uh, DS Nine because I think it's that was the uh, the bread and butter of the way that the show, the podcast itself, came up. And Discovery is a little bit different, and it feels like we're trying to figure out where it is too. Thank you very much for listening. What is after the storyteller? Let me click here and see. Progress. So we'll have progress after this. That'll be up next week. Thank you very much. We'll have a guest back for that one too. So guys, have a good night.